I mean, you know, a $5,000 budget, it seems unreal to do it. But if you do it the way that we do it, I mean, you really can. And then, you know, you've given yourself a step up. You're rent-free now. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 95 with Alyssa Nolan. Alyssa is the founder of Tiny Houses for Campfire Survivors, which is an organization that is building and giving away tiny houses for the survivors of the devastating California wildfire, also known as the Campfire, that devastated the town of Paradise, California. Alyssa is actually a wildfire survivor herself, um, having lost everything in the 2008 Butte Lightning Complex fire. With no construction experience, Alyssa has now designed and built 10 tiny houses and given them away to fire survivors. She's doing incredible work and has really developed a model for doing this, kind of by accident, from tearing down uh, old campers and using the camper trailers as the foundations for the tiny house, figuring out how to build super lightweight so to not exceed the weight limit of the trailers, and also sourcing donated materials from uh, mini splits to roofing to flooring and more. She's a wonderful guest and she's doing incredible work. Uh, so I hope you stick around for my interview with Alyssa Nolan. But first, I'd like to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Tiny House Engage. Have you been working on planning or building your tiny house and feel like you want to connect with other people, get your questions answered, and just support each other along the way? Well, Tiny House Engage is the community for you. Tiny House Engage brings together tiny house hopefuls and DIYers to share plans and resources, learn from each other's challenges and mistakes, and celebrate our successes so that we can feel less alone while we build faster, safer, smarter, and cheaper tiny homes to embrace the tiny house lifestyle. Whether you're a tiny dreamer who is still figuring out all the systems, plans, and everything you need to go into your tiny house, or if you're actively building, Tiny House Engage has the resources and members to connect with for you. There are professional contractors in the community here to answer your questions about plumbing, electricity, and ventilation, and there's also plenty of interaction between members. If you need some encouragement or just need to know how someone else solved a particular problem, you'll get those answers in Tiny House Engage. I'm also very personally active in the community, answering questions and keeping an eye on things. So if you want to interact with me, this is a great place to do it. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration is open today, Friday, January 24th, and it'll be open through next Friday or when we get 20 new members, whichever comes first. I can't wait to meet you in Tiny House Engage, and I know you'll love your new Tiny House community. That URL to learn more is thetinyhouse.net slash engage. All right. I am here with Alyssa Nolan. Alyssa lost her home in the 2008 Butte Lightning Complex fire, that ex and that experience inspired her to build tiny homes for campfire survivors. Though she had no construction knowledge, she has built a community of dedicated volunteers and donors who have given away 10 tiny homes in 11 months with more underway. Not only is she a mom of three little children, 
She works a full-time job as well as dedicating over 40 hours a week to the tiny home builds. Her motto is simple. We do more together. Alyssa Nolan, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're so very welcome. I'm I'm so incredibly inspired by the work that you're doing. So just congratulations on on your success here and just for doing something that's just helping so many people. Thank you. It's been so impactful. Awesome. Well, you know, it's it's timely that we're talking because, you know, what's in the news right now in, in January of twenty twenty is is all the fires in Australia and the nightmare that, that they're experiencing. Um, but it wasn't so long ago that, you know, and unfortunately I'm sure it will be again that, that California will be in the news. Um so I was hoping we could just start off but um just for our listeners who might not know about it, you know, what what was the campfire what was the Sorry. <laughs> what was the campfire? Uh, so the campfire was one of the largest fires in California history. I think over 55,000 people were affected or, you know, lost their home or displaced. And, uh, you know, a whole town burnt in a matter of minutes. And not just Paradise burnt, but a lot of surrounding areas that are smaller mountain communities. And so we're just still really trying to recover from that disaster. Yeah. Um, and you have a personal experience with, with fire. You mentioned that you all actually lost everything in a 2008 fire. Yeah, so that was the Butte Lightning Complex fire. And I was burnt out from Concal, which is an area that also burnt right uh, during the campfire. So then in 2008, my oldest son was uh, eight weeks old. And, you know, I lost everything. And it wasn't until eight months after the fire that we got a new place. So I could totally understand what the survivors of the campfire were going through. And I just really wanted to help. What was your experience when you lost everything? You know, what, how did you find housing after, after you lost everything? It was so rough. I think even more that, that made it so rough is that was the first time mom. And it was so hot. It was like 105 here. And we had a couch surf at people's houses which we were so grateful for. I don't ever want to sound like I wasn't grateful. It's just so hard to have a little baby and not have your own space. And it's, you know, 105 degrees and there was just no places we could go. So, I mean, I really helped search and relied on my friends. And then we had to go to a, um, the Oracle rescue mission. It's a homeless shelter for a period of time too, before we found housing and they were wonderful too, but there's nowhere like your own place, you know? And when you don't have your own place to go to, it's just sad. And then once we did get our own place, I remember breaking down crying over something silly. It was not having a can opener. Um, but when you have to go so long surviving and then you realize, you know, it's no fault of your own and you have nothing, um, it's just a struggle. Yeah, I, I really can't imagine how devastating that, that must be. So what gave you the idea to to just start building tiny homes for for survivors of this fire? Yeah, so when the fire started, I gave food, I gave clothes, but they didn't need any more used clothes. They didn't even have anywhere to put them. And my daughter was uh, only five months when the campfire happened, and I wanted to go help, but I couldn't because I had her. It was so smoky, and uh, I just didn't know how else to help. So I was actually praying, and the Lord really impressed me to build the little houses. And when I heard that, I was like, why? It was so poor. And I thought, I don't have money for that. And, and then the Lord really impressed me. I didn't ask you to finance anything. I actually have faith for it. 
And when I heard that, I thought, well, I could do that. I could bleed for it. So that night, I launched a social media campaign, letting my um, network of people know that I was going to build 10 homes with all volunteers and all donated funds. And I funded the very first home the very next day on GoFundMe. Amazing. Yeah. So you had no construction experience when you when you launched into this de- endeavor, correct? That's correct. I didn't know the difference between a drill and an impact driver. So no, that was my shortfall. I guess it just never registered to me that I didn't have the actual like actual skills to do it. I just believed that it was going to happen. And so I did do my due diligence on YouTube, watched over, I've logged over 2000 YouTube videos to learn how to build. And then there's a lot of volunteers that come out that are highly skilled. And I pick up something new from them almost every day. That's amazing. I, I can imagine that it, it seems like the fir- for the first one, especially raising the money was the easy part and building it was actually the hard part. Uh, yeah, it's true. Well, because back then no one knew what I was doing. So four out of the five days I built by myself. And so there was a lot of discouraging days if I told the truth. So there's days the three inch screws wouldn't go in. We don't have power out here. So we have to use generators at the build site. I couldn't get the generator to start. And so I would go home crying and I'd be like, look, Lord, you told me to do this. I can't do it. And the Lord really impressed me. Like, you can't do it because you're saying you can't. So I'd turn around and come back out here and cry again. And, you know, it's been so empowering to learn so much in the last year, not just to build one tiny home, but 10. And now I could build one almost all by myself and I teach other people how to do it. So how long did the first one take to build and how long do they take to build now? Well, um, so it kind of averages out to be about a month per build because we have multiple builds going on at one time. So like right now we have seven tiny homes under construction. And so we're giving away three new ones at the end of this month. And that'll be a year we've been building and that'll be like 13 homes in 12 months. So it averages out to be about a month each. That's really impressive. That's that's a pretty fast timeline. Especially for somebody that never built anything before. Yeah. and. You know, I I see that you have big groups of volunteers, but just making sure that people have jobs to do and that people are working together is is a huge task. I mean, how have you managed that? So uh, when we have like, you know, between 20 and 100 volunteers, I don't build at all. I just run around and kind of uh, give, you know, oversight, do this, don't do that, install it this way. And for the most part, the majority of the people we get that volunteer are like me. They have zero skills when they start. Uh, but that's kind of why I try to keep so many homes going on at one time in varying stages of construction, because then it allows jobs for everyone. Uh, because really anybody could do caulking. Anybody can do a cram. Anybody can do a lot of those jobs if we just show them one time how. And so um, it's really created a great sense of community. And I think it's really allowed a, a lot of other people to leave feeling empowered as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing because, you know, your primary, the primary group that you're helping are these, these people who have lost their homes. But if, if you're in the area and need construction experience or would like to learn how to build your own tiny house, I mean, here's a way that you can come and learn for free how to build yeah. and also to do a really good deed. Yeah. And so it's a win-win. And we've actually had both those things happen. People who want to do their own build, but they're nervous to start have come out to kind of like get their feet wet, get an idea of how stuff works. 
And then we also partner with the Tate program. It's transitional age youth, and they come from juvenile hall so that they can get building skills. And um, actually, three of the guys have been able to get jobs using their work here at, with us as a reference. Yeah, absolutely. They they get construction experience, and then you know there's lots of jobs in that industry. Oh, definitely. And then it's a great way to find out if it you really like it or not. You know, <laughs> not everybody. You might think that you would love to do construction to get out here and find out. No, you don't. But um, it's a pretty rewarding experience. And sometimes I feel like it keeps people away, them feeling that they don't know how to build. And I try to always um, explain to everyone, like you, you don't have to have zero skills. It's a community built project, meaning that you have gifts and talents I don't have. And when we work together, we create something that's so much larger than any one of us. So some people can't come out and help build, but they buy stuff off our Amazon wish list or they donate pieces of water. And all those pieces are integral and work together to make the whole thing happen. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Is there um, a donation that you've gotten that that was like maybe your favorite or just something that re- was really unique that was donated for one of the builds? Uh, so I had been waiting forever for a table saw, especially because I didn't know how to use one and I really wanted to learn. And so AmJam is a nonprofit in Chico, and they have a group, a day program for adults with developmental disabilities. And so the the adults with the disabilities in their program come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it's such a win-win. Like, I love seeing them. They make a difference. They go home feeling like they made a difference. And um, they bought us a table saw. And then one of the guys in their program who used to do work, uh, woodworking, taught me how to use it. And so that was so exciting. The next day I used that table saw, I felt like a little kid with a new toy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Be careful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Be careful. Um, Always put the guard on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how much do you budget per home at, for this at this point? So in the beginning, uh, because I had never built anything, I, I only raised $5,000 to build. Uh-huh. A couple builds I underfunded. Um, now, as I've gone along, I finally come in closer to the seven thousand dollar mark. So we raised anywhere between five and seven thousand dollars a build, um, and then we come in way past that. But we bridge that gap through donations and partnership. And so we have these awesome mini splits that are donated by Grand Teton and Air. Their donation plus their install is like a five thousand dollar donation, and that's like my whole budget. So it's really a blessing. And then our doors are all donated. The roofing is donated and installed. Our flooring is all donated. And so all those partnerships and donations would bring us in closer to like the twelve or $15,000 mark. And so it's just really amazing that, you know, we're able to do it on such a small budget, but turn out something that's so beautiful and worth so much more. Yeah, that that is amazing. And I'll post um, photos of some of the houses up on the show notes page for this episode. Awesome. And and even accounting for the cost of the donations, you know, twelve to fifteen thousand dollars for a tiny home on wheels is actually quite inexpensive compared yeah. to to the average. True, um, because we use recycled camp trailer frames. I think that's you know a big difference that cuts out like three thousand dollars. But then I had to use a lot of wisdom trying to figure out how to build safely, right, on these recycled camp trailer frames. So knowing that these aren't ones that are going to be towed, you know, 55,000 miles, these are getting moved once or twice and are people's primary living residence. But we do a lot 
weight wise when we build because we're using the recycled cap trailer frame and not a tiny home trailer frame. So our frame is 24 on center. Um, we don't use any kind of drywall that's way too heavy for our build. And we also don't plywood cheese it because I lose anywhere from five to a thousand, 500 to a thousand pounds. But we still get our shear strength from the strap in the side. So there's a lot. We don't use tile. Wow. So you, what do they end up weighing? Do you know? Yeah, we come in around 7,500 pounds. Um, it just depends. I try to keep my house length around 20 foot because then that way I stay, well, not ever under budget, but at budget. Um, but we get camp trailers donated that are all kinds of links. Um, so we have two we're getting, re- getting ready to give away on the 31st. The trailer itself is a 40-footer. So we do 21-foot a house, and then we have a giant deck that's really beautiful. And then it allows them to have a wonderful outdoor space. That's that's fantastic. I mean, I'm curious what the process is like for taking a camper and and tearing it down. Like, Does that take a significant amount of time per build, or is that a relatively quick thing to do? I think we're so much better at it now than when we started. And that's a great use of, you know, big volunteer groups. So right now I have AmeriCorps volunteers out here. And then I had 40 people come from New Jersey and help. And they demoed like four travel trailers in two hours. But I usually salvage the kitchen sink because the depth is less. um, And they work really well in the tiny home. And then I actually also salvage the shower stalls if they're decent. And we give them a facelift with cup and tile. And those are the only two things we salvage. And then the rest, we just tear down and take to the dump. And then we weld on the trailers a little bit to make them workable for the tiny homes. And then we do our stick built from there. Nice. I think that, that you could potentially have like a side, a side business of converting camper trailers into tiny house trailers. Because it's, it's something that a lot of people ask about. And I think that your use for them is really smart because you're acknowledging, you know, this isn't going to get towed 55,000 miles. It it just right. needs a temporary foundation that can move a couple of times. Right. And that's a great solution for so many people that actually need to do affordable housing. I mean, you know, a $5,000 budget, it seems unreal to do it. But if you do it the way that we do it, I mean, you really can. And then, you know, you've given yourself a step up. You're rent free now and you have all these things. And so if you use, you have to use wisdom though. So like, before we move any of the builds, we get new tires donated from Les Schwab that are trailer tires, eight, nine, ten, five. They got to hold the weight of the stick build. And then just in case, we also strap the builds from the trailer in front over the house underneath just to make sure, you know, I would rather be safe than sorry. Um, and we've never had any issues thus far. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Tiny House Engage. Tiny House Engage members are also able to listen live as I record these podcasts and interviews and ask questions of our guests. So if you're a big fan of the show, it's a great way to get an inside look at the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast and get access to episodes weeks or even months before they go live on the feed. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration is open today, Friday, January 24th, and it'll be open through next Friday or when we get 20 new members, whichever comes first. I can't wait to meet you in Tiny House Engage, and I know you'll love being a part of this community. That URL again is thetinyhouse.net slash engage. And so you're, it looks like you sheathed them with T111, or Correct. their siding is T111, so it's kind of a plywood with a finish that looks like siding. Correct, yeah. 
And then, you know, we always paint them, caulk them and everything. So they're super weatherproof. And then we have stand and sing metal roofs that get donated. Then they all have mini splits, heat, air, dehumidifier. They all have tankless electric on-demand water heaters, full bathrooms. Like I try to make it something I would live in. And we fill them with everything they need. So new linens, new pots and pans, new dishes, because they want those people to walk in and be blessed and know that people love them and um and that, you know, there's hope. They they're rebuilding and they have they can start over. Yeah. I'm curious about how your design process works. Are you building, you know, the same house every time? Like, is there a template or are these all just completely unique? So um, I design each one individually per family because I don't feel like, you know, a tiny home that would sleep too is not going to work for a home a family of five. And then two, I feel like penny living's not for everybody. So if we can design them per family, then it really works for them. So it's functional, not just beautiful. So I've never had any blueprints. I just do it from my head. And then it depends on the trailer too and the windows we get because we buy a lot of discounted windows that are brand new, uh, but we'll cancel the order or whatnot, or if we get windows donated. So I design around the trailer, the windows, and then the family's needs. Nice. So what kinds of families do you have now living in some of these these donated um, trailers? Yeah, so the first one, uh, the second one I gave away was a single mom, and she has a little three-year-old girl, and um, she doesn't back, so her baby always stays with her. Then she works from home. She's a hairdresser. So we put a salon chair in her house so she could work from home, and then we knew she was going to live off-grid, so we got her solar panels and an inverter. We put in a compost toilet and a wood stove and just did as much as we could to help her. And then on the 31st, we're giving away a tiny home to a family of five. So mom and dad and three little kids. So that one has a full bed downstairs for sleeping and then three twins up in the loft. And then we have another family of three that's getting one on the 31st. We have a lot of seniors. Uh, we just gave one to a Vietnam veteran that's been living in his Prius for a year. And uh, that was probably one of the most emotionally impactful ones. Like he just cried. We all cried. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine that it's just so many emotions all at once when you're when you're giving somebody a house it's incredible oh it's i never thought in my whole life right that i'd be giving people new homes it's just amazing yeah so california is not known for its uh lax regulations so i'm curious are people able to legally you know live in these these tiny homes yeah so we have kind of a special situation after the campfire Butte County is where the campfire happened. So Butte County instilled a new ordinance allowing tiny homes until a certain date. And then after that date, people just have to get a permit for them. And the permit's about $250 for the year. Particularly, though, you also have to go by the town's ordinances. So in Orville, where our build site is located, um, you can have two tiny homes per acre. And so actually, we build right across from City Hall. And the mayor is like one of our biggest supporters. And so he really removed a lot of boundaries for me and gave us a free special use permit for building over here and carrying down the trailers and city limits. And they've just really been wonderful in supporting our project. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I guess on one hand, it's unfortunate that it takes a disaster to get the government kind of on board with tiny houses, but also yeah. 
you know, it it is great to hear that they they did get kind of let you do this. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a real need. And I think had I asked to do it before I did it, I don't know if it would have been going as well as, as it is. But I think since I just popped one up and then people saw it, that's when people are like, oh, this is amazing. We need to partner with this. Yeah. So how does the wait list work for for people who are waiting to to hopefully get one of these houses? So right now we have over 500 people on the waiting list. And I don't do a who's been on the waiting list longest. I do a priority needs assessment where they get points. Um, so I figure out who's senior, who's disabled, right? Who's a veteran? Are there children? And one of the factors that really moves people up to the top of the list is their current living situation. And there's still a large demographic of survivors that are living in vehicles, they're living in tents on their burnout property, or they're in multi-trailer. And if you're in a vehicle or a tent, then we're almost always going to build for you right away. Wow. So you've built 10. You mentioned that your goal was to, to do 10. Yeah. Are you going to just keep, are, is this something you're just going to keep doing? Yeah, I fully will build as long as the, the Lord keeps opening the doors. Uh, like I said, my goal was 10 when I started and I thought that was big because I had never built anything. And then just giving away the 10th home and we've actually fully funded 33 homes. Wow. So you've got a lot, you've got a lot of work to do ahead of you. We'll be building for the next two years. And so I hope um, that at some point when the need to house count for survivors expires, um, that we're able to use our same housing model to house other um, vulnerable populations. So veterans and homeless and things like that. So do you, do you have a like sense of how much you've raised to date? I know it's tricky to figure out just because of the fact that you're getting donations of materials some a lot of the time. Yeah, so I think we're close to about the $300,000 mark. If you count all the in-kind donations and everything that people have distributed. So our nonprofit is in the work. And until then, we use a fiscal sponsor for the 4G Foundation, which has really been awesome because they funded two builds and they did our first pilot project where we built a tiny house that they built. And they used it as vocational ed with high school students, and they built it in another site. So we gave them the trailer, little project oversight, and the survivor the home with those two. And the kids built the home in 12 Saturdays. Nice. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) How can listeners help? Um, How can people get involved if they're not, you know, obviously if they can go and volunteer? Actually, why don't you first tell us, if you want to volunteer, how do you do that? Yeah, so if you want to volunteer, um, you just show up. But obviously, we get a lot of volunteers that come from all over the nation. So um, I would suggest if you're coming from out of state that you would email us or message us on Facebook Messenger or Instagram so that we can expect you. And our build days are always the same. We always build Tuesday through Thursday and Sundays from 830 to 3. And so you're more than welcome to just show up. Volunteers are always needed. And then other ways people can help us is um, we have ongoing Amazon wish list. One Amazon wish list is for us at the build site. Since I only raise money per build, uh, that doesn't allow me extra funds for tools or the Connect rentals, the porta potty rentals, or all those things that go into it. So we have Amazon wish list going on for tools we need or other stuff we need. And then we put out Amazon wish list 
for each individual family that we give a home for, for the things that we'd like to furnish their home with. And so that's a really rewarding way that I've heard from other volunteers that to feel like no matter where they are, they can be a part of making our mission happen. Then we also have a GoFundMe that's ongoing, um, and we use those funds to pay for gas for the generators, the porta potty rentals, connect rentals, and then dump runs, stuff like that. And then also, if people want big churches or sororities or groups like that, even a family had a family member that passed away and they funded a home in their honor. And you can always do that. You can always fund a home. That's beautiful. So where where can people go to, you know, find the build day schedule, find the Amazon wish lists, all these things? Yeah. So we don't have a website yet just because uh, I'm pretty busy, right? I got three little kids. So really the only way we get the word out right now is social media. We are on Facebook and it's Tiny Homes for Campfire Survivors. And then you can also email us at tinyhomesforcampfiresurvivors at gmail.com. And then that's me. I do all the emails. And so you're coming right to me and then whatever links you need or info you need, I just send it out. Awesome. Well, um, I definitely want to link to the GoFundMe and the Amazon wish lists um, from the show notes page. So share those with me and I'll share those with the listeners. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So you had mentioned that you you logged over 2000 YouTube videos on on how to build. Um, One thing that I ask all of my guests um, is what are two or three resources that helped you learn how to do this. So maybe do you have two or three favorite videos or or YouTube channels that you'd like to share that that really helped you in your learning process? Uh well number one, I really love Tiny House Expedition. I think everything they give out is super informational. And then um the other, you know, the other resource I really use is knowledgeable people. I mean we all have people in our network that work in certain industries. And everybody loves to share their information with you. And I think that's always like a great how-to or go-to. But I think everyone learns different. I'm a visual learner. So even out at the build site, if people are like, hey, Alyssa, can we put this 40 inches high? I'm like, "Mm, could you put it up there and show me? Right? Because I'm such a visual person. Um, And I think that if that way works for you, um, then you should really get like a hands-on experience. Go somewhere where you can actually see and do. Yeah. And I guess you you just did it by jumping in and starting the build. Yeah, it totally helped me. And so the first day I ever uh, framed in a wheel well that lined up, I mean, I was so excited. I left early to get tacos, right? Because it's not like it just happened right away. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you got to just celebrate and quit while you're ahead for the day. Oh, totally got to celebrate the small victories, especially in the beginning. You know, I think, but most importantly, you have to believe in yourself. Yeah. So I'm curious, is, have you heard of anybody else doing this, you know, kind of seeing what you were doing and saying, I want to start building tiny houses for, for survivors of some awful thing? I had Habitat for Humanity in uh, North Carolina reach out to me to see if I could give them blueprints of what we do and kind of a model so that perhaps they could use it with some of their natural disaster survivors. Um, and so I think that there's been a couple of people that are really trying to replicate our model. And I hope that they're able to, you know, because that's really just a great um, option 
Uh, but I think it takes a special person to realize like everything that goes into it. And then really it's a rallying of the community. Nothing we could, nothing we do happens out here without everybody's help. Absolutely. And I think the, your cause is, 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 is very compelling and I can see why it's brought in so many organizations and people, you know, but I encourage people, you know, a lot of my listeners are, you know, interested in building their own tiny house for themselves. And, you know, I think that nobody should underestimate the the power of their community, just putting it out there, what you're doing, and even asking people if they have any salvage materials. Um, people tend to come out of the woodwork because people don't like wasting things. They like to they like to see the things that they have get get put to use. Well, and I think everybody uh, loves hearing someone, you know, that got this goal and they're trying to find, you know, thrifty ways to meet it. And I think what you said is that's absolutely key. No one can step up to help you if you don't tell them. Right. And so many people want to help. And that's one of the things that has helped us so much. Anytime we have a need or anything, I just throw it out there and people show up. And it's so amazing. Have you? gotten any kind of governmental support like has yeah, the, so, yeah yeah so we get volunteers actually from all kinds of government agencies so actually fema has come out and said that our houses are uh two representatives from fema came out and said my tiny homes are way nicer than their fema trailers and we do them for way less but actually senator nielsen from california he sent all of his staff to help build for a day nice yeah and then just recently Mike Bloomberg's campaign reached out and they want to do a story on us about being an American hero to help us raise some dollars. And um, we get people from all over. It's just amazing. That's incredible. I mean, you are, you are American heroes. So congratulations. I don't know about that. Seriously. I, don't know about that. I seriously feel like I'm doing what other people would do. And I just feel like that's why so many people come out and help. Maybe they can't do it at the same level I do, but they sure partner with me to help me get it done. And that's what blesses. Nice. So it's, it sounds like from the, from your story that it all came together really fast and you probably, I mean, you don't have a website yet. You know, you just haven't had time to like do a lot of this administration stuff because you've been busy building. If, if you, you know, if you had a wish list or if you could kind of start it over again, but this time with with time to set up like administrative type things, like what what would be on your wish list in that department? Oh, man, we probably would have launched the uh, website right away. I would have applied for 501c3 status right away. I would have done all those administrative things right away. For me, I just was like, oh, I'm going to build these. We raised somebody the first day. But I think what was really the thing that kept pushing us was the need, right? It really was bothersome for me. And I really did have a hard time sleeping at night, knowing that these people were living in their cars and tents. And I had committed to them that I would build for them. And I didn't, I didn't want it to take forever. I wanted to see them housed, you know? And so um, looking back, there's so many things I think that, oh, I wish I had reached out for this help or, you know, because it is a community about projects. Some people just have media skills. Some people just have like the marketing skills and that's a component we need. And so when people bring their skills to the table and they offer what they're skilled in, 
I mean, that's how they contribute in a high way to our project. And so those people have been coming slowly but surely, and we're making it work. <laughs> that's great. Well, if there are any uh, website developers out there listening, uh, get in touch. Yes. You... Yes. We need that help. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alyssa Nolan, I want to thank you so, so much for the work that you're doing. And also thank you for being a guest on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much to Alyssa Nolan for being a guest on the show today. You can find links to Tiny House for Campfire Survivors Facebook page, photos of some of their builds, links to the GoFundMe and Amazon wishlists, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 095. I really hope you can pitch in if you feel inspired to do so. Also, don't forget to check out Tiny House Engage, my exclusive online tiny house community. You can learn more and register for access at thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash engage. If you enjoy the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast and want to do something to help, go to ratethispodcast.com slash THLP, where you'll be directed to write a review for the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast on the platform of your choice. Reviews really help us find new listeners, which in turn helps me grow the show. So again, leave us a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash THLP. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.